attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my pace? You like it? Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Let's get ready to drive. It's back of the grid. <laughs> I'm Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined with, as usual, oh, I never get that right, do I? I'm joined, as usual, by Tom King. Hello. And Chris Evans. Hi there. I thought you were going to do it like proper buffer style and you were going to give us like nicknames or something there. Oh, I should have, shouldn't I? I was tempted. I was tempted. I was tempted to do the whole hog, but um I thought it'd be more funny if I ridiculed it. Um <laughs> That was a difficult start because as you started talking, um an advert opened in one of the tabs uh I had open for uh Gran Turismo. So I had Woodkid playing incredibly oh. loudly in my ear the entire oh. time you were doing your intro. At least it's a good song. And now we've mentioned Gran Turismo on the podcast as well. Damn it. Damn, <clears> you'd, <throat> you'd think they were paying us. They're really so, not. Uh, so that means they have to send us free copies now, right? Yeah. Or we could, yeah. Just, or we could just start again. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, the USA Grand Prix was this weekend. And lots of racing happened, among other things. Um, and we're here to talk about that. So there's a lot to get through. Uh, shall we jump right in? Yeah, tons. Crack on. Tons. Let's okay, let's uh, start where all Formula One weekends start, and that's not with practice, obviously, it's with qualifying. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, we had Hamilton on pole, two temps ahead of Vettel, with Bottas third and getting within half a second of Hamilton for the first time since the summer break, so props to Valtteri Bottas. It was kind of the only time of the entire weekend he was close to Hamilton, though, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably the closest he got the whole weekend probably that that what 10 feet it was behind yeah. him on the uh, on the grid um identical q3 laps for ricardo and raikkonen for fourth and fifth you don't see that every day yeah down to like the thousandth isn't it yeah literally with it well a thousand for the same thousand for the second so uh ricardo set his time first so he was given the lead on the grid I just, it always blows my mind when that happens that like <clears throat> over a track that distance with so many variables that yeah. two cars can do exactly at the same time. Yeah, you, you know you're normally quite amazed when the it, it's the difference is a thousandth or a yeah. couple of thousandths when it's when it's that narrow, but to be like exactly the same is just mental. Have you ever seen the? Uh, I don't. I can't remember what year it was, but there's a race in I think Paul Ricard in France where three of them set. Pole lap, set set the same fastest lap, the exact same fastest lap to within a thousandth. I have not seen that. I will I will definitely dig that one out, and we can we'll have to post it with the uh, with when we post the link to the uh, to the podcast because it is it, it's it's hilarious. It's, it's the, the the commentators found it really really funny, but it's it's brilliant. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Verstappen had a poor quality quality lap by his own standards. Um, yeah, he said he was pretty much one of his worst ones ever didn't he afterwards yeah he was good enough for sixth but he had a 15 place grid penalty so we would line up 60 in the after all the penalties were applied he would line up 16th on the grid we had that fun situation where uh some people had penalties but actually started ahead of where they qualified which is yeah. always good fun so bizarre so bizarre when that happens <laughs> um Speaking of penalties, a uh, penalty for Stroll for his sketchy, sketchy block. Yeah, on that Rosham. was really bad. Yeah, we all, we were all, we all happened to be together this weekend watching this one in a pub, and that was probably one of the hairiest moments of the whole weekend, I'd say. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I just don't know what he was thinking. If a car's coming up behind you and you need to get out of the way, 
if you're on the racing line, you get off the racing line. You don't go further onto the curb alongside the racing line. Yeah. Well, he ended yeah, it. It was just, fully off track, wasn't he? Yeah. So he, weird. It just it, it just a poor decision, wasn't it? It just went completely the wrong way for what he yeah. should be doing to get out of the way, unfortunately. Yeah. I think what might have happened was he already had another car going past him. It looked like maybe a Toro Rosso going past him. Um, yeah, there was some ways to the pits, I think, wasn't there? Yeah, and so he had his eye on him and he was trying to keep out of his way. And then he, as a result of that, he didn't see Grosjean. So he's moving off the line, he sees Grosjean at the last minute and moves carries on in the same direction but Grosjean's already made his decision to go right which is actually the direction that Stroll's already heading so uh, part of me thinks that Grosjean was probably as much to blame for that one but it certainly um, didn't help the situation but it was still a very strange wild thing that Stroll did yeah I mean it, it shouldn't have happened full stop like none no. of it none of it should have happened I think both drivers were in the wrong Stroll was probably more in the wrong yeah um, what else happened? Uh, Sainz debut for Renault. Yeah, really impressive. First weekend in a brand new car for him. <coughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, he really on eighth. Um, he, he was, was ahead of Hulkenberg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, Hulkenberg had issues in qualifying. I, th- I don't think he set a lap, did he? In um, no, we, we there was a moment where we were all instantly suspicious that Hulkenberg had an issue, and then. He just kind of tanked his lap, didn't he? And went in the pits, yeah. and, and we never saw him again. Um, I don't know if we ever did find out what that was. No, I'm not sure actually. No, he, I, but he seems he seems to have issues come race day anyway, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, yeah, well, he yeah. had a. I think I, I don't know whether this was the case before qualifying started, but he, or maybe this is a result of of his poor qualifying. Maybe he had trouble during qualifying. It's led to this, but he did get a fun twenty-place grid penalty for engine bits. So that may have been a set before, and maybe he was just trying to save this engine for the race. Honestly, Who can't knows? remember to be honest. Um, no. But even that aside, like from practice one, signs was like within a second of Hulkenberg, which yeah. for the first time yeah. he's got in the car is damn impressive. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame because I really, really want to see these two. I want to see how they measure up against each yeah, other. Yeah, I'm looking you? forward to a proper clean weekend when they both have no penalties, <clears throat> both have like a decent time of it. Yeah, hopefully next weekend will be uh, will be the one. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, there were lots of penalties in general, uh, mostly engine related. There were only two penalties for people who who did transgressions on track and stroll obviously were mentioned the other one was magnuson because he impeded perez um down i think at oh, it's around turn 12 um other penalties uh we had 30 places for van dorn in the mclaren because <sighs> mclaren uh, <laughs> we had 20 places for hulkenberg in the renault as we've mentioned hartley on his debut who we haven't mentioned yet um he got 25 places for engine bits and it's he's never even used the formula one engine before so yeah because you've got to explain that one to me so uh, yeah the situation with torosso is so obviously we had kvyat and signs then kvyat was dropped so gasly could take his seat that happened first right yeah. Yes. So Gas- Gasly inherited Kvyat's engine lifespan. Yep. So he inherits all of the potential penalties. Yeah. And then now Gasly has gone to do Super Formula. Well, went to do yeah. Super Formula and never did. Then, because Hartley was officially in that car, he then inherited those penalties. Well, what happened first was Signs then left to go to Renault, which is why Kvyat yes. came back. So Kvyat came back to 
Sainz's car. Sainz's engine. So inherited history. his stuff. As you say, yep. Gasly then went off to do Super Formula. So Gasly, uh, sorry, oh, oh, this is so confusing. I've already lost it. <laughs> Partly inherited what was Gasly's engines, which is what was Kvyat's. Yep. So now, presumably now we know at the next race it's going to be Hartley and Gasly. I assume now Gasly's going to go take over Kvyat's position, which was Sainz's car originally. Yep. So you've ended up with across, what is it, four drivers. Two of them have driven both cars in the space of like three yeah. races. And it, it's because, and I think this is what annoys me most about these engine penalties. And to be honest, everybody else up yeah. and down the paddock. It annoys them so much because it's unfair on the drivers. Yes, I know it's a, it's supposed to be a team sport and it's that whole win together, lose together mentality. But I think punishing a driver by dropping them so many places on the grid isn't the way to stop the engine stuff. It needs to be money penalties or prize penalties that are going to hurt the team because realistically certain cars with place penalties will get the will get the car somewhere near the points depending on who it is um like you know the toro rossos and the renault will generally work their way back towards a ninth or tenth place finish depending on you know how the race goes but i think that it's just unfair having to put that on the drivers when the drivers have done nothing wrong yeah personally i think they need to find it they need to punish the team as a whole to stop them just banging a new engine in every weekend, but it needs to be something like more financial or constructor points or something. I think, yeah, just something that will stop the team rather than the driver. Um, so, a, a quick, uh, a quick stat for you, a quick qualifying stat based around penalties: a total of ninety positions were penalised for engine components, and only six for actual driving standards directed mm. d- directly affected by the driver so that is the state of affairs with penalties in formula one at the moment um, messy there's an argument to say i mean th- what what the organizers will tell you is that they like a mixed up grid remember chris and i uh, yeah. s- spoke about this over the weekend like the, it, and it's some, it can be quite exciting to see a mixed up grid like you wouldn't have got um you know we wouldn't have had verstappen down in 16th if if he hadn't had these penalties, well, it's on um, the Channel Four commentary. Um, I think it's Ben Edwards was talking about this, and he said like most fans don't seem to like these any penalties; they just want to see good racing. But you've sort of contradicted yourself there because without the engine penalties, that race would not have been nearly as interesting because you wouldn't have yeah. had people like Vettel carving the way through from the back. So you wouldn't have had uh, Verstappen. You mean you wouldn't, we sorry, wouldn't Verstappen? Have had yeah, the, we wouldn't have had the mixed up strategies that we got. Yeah this weekend yeah it's a tricky one. I, it's a really tricky it, one. yeah i mean it's it's a bizarre situation when you've got 90 positions penalized for engines and only six for actual actions taken by the driver i think i think that's my, my, that's my mm. takeaway from it um i don't know i don't know whether there is a solution I, I guess i mean it's formula one there's all this talk about cost controls and stuff like that but i feel like doing this this sort of stuff is what's killing the sport i would much I mean, rather see him just have a bit of freedom to have more engines and, and really push every race then again if you did that the teams with the most money would just romp away with it because yeah 
That's they true. can but afford. Then what... I mean, it goes back to the good old days when teams would build an engine that would last for one race and then they'd yeah. throw it away and build they a new were, one. They, yeah, they were just bombs, weren't they? Those engines. Yeah, I don't think you need to go to the extremes where they'd be able to get away with that. But I, I do just think that even just the number of places that it is something, I, I don't know. It just, I think it needs like rebalancing. Yeah. Like, but, I'm not even saying, like, say, take it away completely to penalise the team by a grid penalty, but, you know, 30 places for different engine components. There isn't even 30 places on the grid. What is the point? Yeah. <laughs> like, it just seems a bit OTT yeah. and ridiculous, it, I think. It's, it almost seems like an, they've applied arbitrary numbers to the number of penalty po- it really yeah. places without actually thinking about the real world situation that these penalties are going to be applied in. Yeah, I, I think as well, it, what doesn't help is that, you know, that 30 for Van Dorn, I can't remember the exact composition of it, but it's it's one of those where it's like, oh, it's 10 for an MGUH and it's 10 for an MGK and it's 10 for a combustion. It's like they're only expecting it to be one of those things at the time, but because mm. because there is so many components to the car and each one's critical in the way that it is, and then they've limited the numbers so greatly, generally teams are on occasion having to take two or even three of those which is what's leading to these massively built up penalties and i think that that's maybe what needs looking at that the the individual allowance for each of these components on the power unit maybe need increasing even just by one or two each so that at least if you're getting a penalty it's just the 10 for the mguh or it's just the 10 for the mguk because the other parts are, are less critical because You've got more of them, or you know something like that. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't. Well, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not in a position to be able to plan it. Like there's greater minds out there that will do a better job, but I just think at the minute they're not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think the fundamental problem is the weighting of the penalties. I'd yeah. say. I think if you can if you can balance that a little bit more with with the with the offence, then. Hopefully, we would stop seeing penalties where drivers were sent halfway around the other side of the track before the start. <laughs> um, oh, I had a really good thought. Um, no, it's gone. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 90 positions, six for actual driving standards, and yeah, it was. It's it's not a great situation, is it? Um, oh, that was it. They're only going to. They're going down to three engines next season, and there's going to be one more race. Well, this is the thing. It's like the whole point of these rules, which is it's kind of sound logic and it's for the right reasons, is that making these penalties really harsh would encourage people to build engines that last rather than making them disposable things. And as kind of the years of these engine formulas went on, they'd get more and more reliable, which is why they always the plan was always there to bring it down to three engines for next season but the technology is just not moved as it's fast just, as they expected it yeah. to it's just yeah. too they're just too complex for them to be well, able to get away with that and some manufacturers I, have well mercedes i suppose mercedes have they? ferrari car more or less have well, oh that's arguable that it's one, borderline please. i guess the thing is though i think that they need to be reactive you know like like what you're saying there is the the reduction to the three full engines it is it's something that was always planned 
to as a target to get to. But if that this season starts to look unreasonable, where you know I I'm not I'm couldn't tell you the figures off the top of my head, but Mercedes aren't too far away from picking up penalties, you know, for opening up different different parts of engines for different units and stuff like that. They're a lot more comfortable because of the position that Ferrari have found themselves in, but I don't think they're that far away from things. And I think it, even if teams like that are sort of saying this, you know, these are a bit too harsh, then surely there should be a reaction from the FIA to say, right, well, we'll keep it as it is going into next season and not have the reduction and see how it balances out. And then if teams are finding that they can run a whole season with three engines, then maybe you look at bringing it in for 2019. And, you know, you, you just, you've got to be adaptive and react to things, mm. I think, rather than just being rigid and saying, nope, that's what we said, so we're going to yeah. do it. Yeah, but then there isn't their job as the FIA to be rigid and to set a certain set of rules and penalties for those rules and apply those penalties when the rules are broken? Yeah, but they've also got to be realistic with them, I think. Mm. Like, just just in the sense that you know, if you know, if you're saying you have to change your tires, uh, you can only change your tires once per race, but then Pirelli manufacture a tire that literally cannot one stop a race, and they're saying, nope, you're only allowed to change once. Yeah, it's unrealistic and potentially dangerous because yeah. you know, the tires can't, and it's, it's on them to either make. Pirelli changed the tyre compound, which they obviously have done in the past, or changed the rule and the regulation. And I think that's the balancing act that should should be at their door, is they've either got to find a way to make these these penalties more in weight with what the what's actually happening, like what we were saying before, or they maybe need to take a step back from this three allocation yeah. rule the, because it's going to be too harsh. Yeah, they, they need to make a rule that it is possible to stick to, I think is what you're trying to say, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It just needs to be realistic. And I'm just worried that at the minute three <clears throat> isn't. Just mm. I've just found a list of power unit element usage and 11 of the 20 cars are still within the limits this year. Um, Interesting. Quite a few of those are all on their fourth version of everything, which is their limit. Mercedes is one of the few that are lower. They're on four of most things, three on a couple. Actually, I think Force wow. India are the lowest. Um Force India, it both both use four four ICEs, four turbochargers, four MGUH, three MGUK, two energy stores, and two electronics control things, um, which I think is the lowest on the grid actually. But again, yeah. that's Mercedes course, engine, so the, the limit currently is four and everything, isn't yeah. it? And of yeah. course, Force India, are the best of the chasing pack, fourth in Very the championship true. at the minute. Um, probably by virtue of the fact that they've had far less retirements than anyone else from the look of this yeah that being said table. another team still or within the limits is uh sauber who are very much the worst at the chase impact so you know yeah goes true. both ways anyway so they're on year old ferrari engines aren't they Sam? they are yeah that's true so you'd, you'd hope yeah engines from last year would be yeah at their best proven. but anyway 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 we could talk about engines and blow-ups and penalties all day but um, they had a race as well at the weekend, so shall we get into that? <laughs> a cracking race as well. One of the best in the year, was, I'd wasn't say. it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, driver intros. Yeah, that was a thing that happened. Michael Buffer doing all the intros. Um, it's I'd say it's mixed um, opinions on it from what I've seen. I'm, it's I'm sort of in the middle with it personally. Like 
I like the concept and the idea of introducing the drivers to the fans because, especially if it's televised, it allows people to know who's who that maybe are not regular fans. Mm. Yeah, especially in a place like America as well, where a lot of that crowd aren't going to be super hardcore fans. I think a lot of people that race are still going along for the spectacle. It's like yeah. it's like when NFL, like this weekend, just got an NFL in London. A lot of the crowd there are just going to be people who are going along for a game. They couldn't name you 90% yeah. of the players on the pitch. And it's kind of doing yeah, the same yeah. thing. I, th- I think the thing is with it, it's, it is definitely a very American way of doing things. Yeah. But I think that maybe they went a little too American for the rest of the world if they could find the balance somewhere in the middle where they have some form because you know we've got the track parade that's that's kind of what the track parade was there for but it wasn't very vocal or showy it was just the drivers going round on the back of the truck or sometimes in some classic cars so I think somewhere in the middle of track parade and introductions is where you'll find the right mixture, I think. Mm. I think conceptually, I think it's a great idea to introduce the drivers. Yeah, I think yeah. properly introduce yeah. the way they did but it was a bit. The, ex- baggy the execution and was yeah, long is yeah. definitely the execution probably wasn't quite there. I think you probably when there's only two people and it's a boxing match and you can you want to make a big point of those two people then fair enough you know yeah say their name for a long time it works but saying 20 <laughs> people's name for a long time in in the blazing sun <laughs> like, yeah. i am um, uh, some drivers definitely liked it more than others as well that's some, what I was some say, embraced actually. it more than others well, like Dan- danny ricardo seemed to really embrace it and absolutely loved it sebastian vettel was just like yes hello i am here everybody well welcome I mean, I've got to say, it was the drivers with the most personality seemed to take to it the best, which is why yeah. Ricardo was bouncing around all over the place. Hamilton was clearly loving it. Yeah. It was... Mm. I think you have to applaud them for trying things. Yeah, definitely. They're, and that's one thing they've been amazing at all season. I think they're throing a lot of stuff, stuff at the wall right now and they're seeing what sticks. And I think that's fine, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I also very much enjoyed um, him calling Kvyat Danny the Torpedo Kvyat. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was a bit controversial, wasn't well, it? Well, um, I saw online uh, Will Buxton had written a lot of notes for him because obviously Michael Buff had no idea what he was talking about. Yeah. He got half yeah. the name slightly wrong. but He was reading them off a little key yeah. card the whole time as well. But yeah, I thought he was he was laughing. Yeah, it was it was funny. It was something different. I mean, obviously we're British, so we struggle with anything too showy, don't we? But um, I I found it entertaining. I just thought it was. I, luckily for me, I only saw like saw him do three drivers. I couldn't have sat there for doing for him doing what twenty drivers that had been. <laughs> that was yeah, I'd have fallen asleep. Yeah. Anyway, uh, lights went out and away we went eventually. And uh, eventually, and uh, it was a good launch for Vettel. Brilliant start. Great start. Yeah. He, did Hamilton into turn one? Um, he didn't leave him anything either, did he? He actually almost—he must have. If he didn't touch him, he was a millimeter yeah. off touching him. Um, really, really bumptious elbows, elbows out uh, for that one. Um, and Ricardo and Bottas were dueling pretty hard. Yes, yeah, like lap well. three and four, I think, wasn't it? They were like, yeah, yeah. It was. I would say overall, this has probably been one of Bottas's weakest races at Mercedes. But it's also the hardest I've seen him fighting for positions his entire time yeah. there. Like some really proper hard wheel to wheel racing for those sort of moments here and there throughout the race. But 
a race as a whole, I think he was pretty weak, to be honest. Yeah, he just didn't have the pace. It, I, I don't. I, I, I never. I've never. Really, I've not got to the bottom of why he didn't. Have I think the pace. he was just struggling on the tires a lot, to be honest. Yeah. I, yeah. They're in the, he's in the same car as Hamilton though, and Hamilton was absolutely dominant. Yeah, he was like while people were pissing around him, he was like perfectly happy just pounding on those tires for a while longer. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and th- that was key to his race, wasn't it? Mm. I think the thing for Valtteri around there is that obviously people have the good tracks and people have the not so good tracks, and I think for Valtteri that is just one of those tracks that he, maybe he doesn't enjoy it maybe he doesn't get the feeling for it but you know I I don't think he's had a points finish has he there in, in his career and its existence side by side not a podium finish he's certainly a points but definitely not a podium or, or they've been like minimal anyway like, yeah. I, I know he's I know he's not finished a couple and he's sort yeah. of finished middle of I the pack and stuff like that it also so. doesn't help that it's one of Hamilton's best circuits so it sort of yeah. compounds yeah. him looking bad Precisely. Hamilton even said that he absolutely loves this track, he said it was his favourite track <laughs> Although he's he actually d- said it's his favourite although track he does have a habit of saying that it's the best track this and the best fans in the world track. at every race yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. it's getting a bit old that isn't <laughs> it <laughs> um so what what's what what happened next? Uh, we had Ricardo and Bottas dueling, and then Hulkenberg retired on lap four. Yeah, which is a shame. He his... was running really well, actually. Yeah, and he's taken a he's already taken a twenty grid twenty place grid penalty for new engine bits, and he and worked then... his way up quite a bit, hadn't he? By then, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it does four laps, and his engine blows up. So showing that wasn't that a very good engine. That, yeah, well, there's still plenty of work to be done. At, Renault yeah. in terms of liability, isn't there? Definitely. Um, that would be proven again to us later on. So Hamilton, back to Hamilton really quickly, he regained the lead on lap six. With a solid overtake on Vettel down to turn 12. Vettel did very little to defend it as well, didn't he? He, he yeah, made it I, I, very easy for Hamilton. Yeah, he was looking after his tyres, I think, at that point. I think it, there was a sense of inevitability about it. How yeah. quickly... He must have he done something that we'd not seen that didn't get picked up by the cameras, I think, that or he's just cooked his tyres and he's used them up the too The thing quick. is though, you still think even in that situation he'd make it as hard as possible to get past because as soon as he lets him go mm. past he's just going to watch him disappear up the road. Yeah, It did come from quite far back as well, Hamilton. Yeah, it's, it looked to me like a man who has kind of given up on the title a little bit honestly. I don't Even when he took the lead into turn one I don't think he ever really believed he could win that race. Mm. Hamilton's pace was just so good. I don't know. I just yeah. you'd expect uh, someone in like championship deciding territory to defend that much harder than that. Yeah, it was disappointing, wasn't it? You want you really want to see it him was squeezing him. You want to see him properly because that that whole sort of opening sort of few laps of the race, I thought I was rubbing my hands together. I was like, yes, we've yeah. got, finally we've got the duel that we've been wanting weirdly, all we've season. We've not had them like next to each other on a circuit that much this year have we mm. not not barely at all yeah because Vettel the, the few races that that would have happened Vettel's had engine trouble yeah or or some form of problem um yeah so that was that was a bit of a shame that he laid through so easily but um you know what, what can you do like this it's, it's I, racing isn't it it's once again do you ever do you ever think that it was 
there was part of it that was the only way we're going to beat them is on strategy for from a Ferrari mentality. Not saying it's the yeah, right possibly. mentality for them to have had, but just the philosophy of we know that they're going to be quick, especially with something like a 1K straight that's got DRS on it. Yeah. It, Is it that we try and look after the tyres better, let him maybe push himself too far, trying to make a gap and come back under the pit stops? But Yeah, try and get him on the undercut. Yeah, and well, whether whether that's what they were thinking, obviously it never paid out. But If they were, it, it, nearly, mean, it nearly worked. He came out... Nearly did. When Hamilton came out of the pits, Vettel was right behind him. It was very close. Yeah. Yeah. So, like Hamilton was worried about how close he was at that point as yeah. well, if you remember, over the radio. So Yeah, well, that was just after. It's like, why did you let him get so close, guys? Yeah, the... and it's just little moments like that that make me think that maybe that was Ferrari's game plan, but then once that didn't work there, then it was a proper, well, what we're going to do? There's no, you know, We're going to have to settle for second. Once he was in front, and because there was a moment where Hamilton was saying, oh, it's, it's a bit close behind me, but Vettel, like, was almost saying the opposite, like, "Oh no, I can't get close enough to him to make a move," and yeah, that was where I was, that was where far. I was like, "Really?" Is the... fair enough? But th- that yeah, to me didn't... was the point where he gave up. Not yeah. earlier in the race, it was yeah, more I there. Mean, it didn't look didn't look too far to me. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Uh. So just be, just before that round of pit stops, Ricardo retired. <sighs> yeah. So um, disappointing. More engine. Yeah, more Renault engine trouble. Massively disappointing. Lap sixteen, it happened. He looked really quick, and he'd been battling. But in that, in those sixteen laps, there were two occasions where he'd been wheel to wheel with Bottas. Yeah. Uh, massive shame. Yeah. Um, really disappointed. We'd be robbed of a really good race there. I think. It's all of this. It's like I think we've said it a few times. This is very much the season of like what could have been. There's been so many races where it's been teed up for something amazing and it's never quite paid off. And it's yeah, yeah. been the same with the championship. We were ready for like a title to go down to the wire, and now all of a sudden, odds are both titles are going to be wrapped up at the next race, which is a shame. It's it's a shame, but you know what? I cannot remember a new aero formula where the top three fastest cars have, have ended up this close That's very true. so soon. Yeah. It bodes well so for next does... year. Exactly. Bodes very well for next year. Um, so first round of pit stops, Hamilton pit did pit a few laps, we've covered this, but lap, he pit a few laps later than Vettel, and very nearly Vettel did almost get the undercut. I think if he had one more lap, if Hamilton had gone one more lap, then he would have had some serious work to do. Yeah, I think so. But... The decision to leave him out did pay off because it meant that he wouldn't need to pit again. And if he'd pitted probably three or four laps sooner, then he might those that second set might not have got him to the end. Yeah. Especially with people around him pitting for extra tires at the end, the pace might have been yeah. enough for them to catch him at that point. Exactly. Um, shortly after that round of pit stops, Alonso sh- suffers yet another engine failure. Another massive McLaren. disappointment. He was again. He yeah. was going incredibly well at that point like actually moving forward and passing people yeah um, he, he was he, he sounded gutted as well yeah he was really disappointed he was racing I can't remember whether he was racing a Renault or whether a Renault went when he won the race against the Renault or a Renault went past him now I think it might have been Science he was racing yeah I think, I think it was he was having a him. big old battle with Science for a while yeah that was good to watch as well it was good yeah perfectly honest yeah. and then I, like you say, I can't remember which way around the last move was, um, but I do just remember him looking really slow, and then Science came back 
past him, I, I believe. So yeah. whether they'd been dueling, I, I can't remember exactly how it unfolded, like move by move, but it was just a shame to sort of see that end there and then obviously everybody else floods past him, don't they, at that point? Yeah. Um, up until that retirement, I remember thinking this, actually, now now it's uh, now you've reminded me. I remember thinking Alonso must be worried if that if if he's getting past that Renault, if he's racing the Renault and beating it on power, then he's going to have that engine next year. Yeah, absolutely. He bodes would, really so well for McLaren next year. Would you say that he was racing it on power though, or because I think it was more that he was doing a really good job of keeping him through areas like sector one and maybe the final sector where it's more about the car than the engine. And yeah, maybe it was the, putting the enough long, of the gap to... That's it, and the, the long runs down into the tight hairpins, that's where Science was trying to do his damage, but Alonso was doing his damage in sort of sector one and the, the last sector of the lap leading yeah. on to the back... Uh, the, start finish straight out so i think they were fairly even in that respect or a lap even them out at least which is why it was a good fight i think mm. as well because there were strengths and weaknesses to both cars yeah the lap. It, it, yeah it was like watching the the porsche and the audi going around um silverstone that year yeah the yeah World endurance championship remember that where they were just literally lap after lap just overtaking each other at different parts of the track crazy racing um yeah, so Alonso. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to say. It's. I don't know. I think there's still question marks over that Renault engine for next season. It's all these failures. Yeah, it's still far from bulletproof. Um, I still think it's going to be better than the Honda, though. That's the main thing. Well, yeah, I think if this engine had not failed for Alonso, that if he'd finished this race with this engine and everything had been normal, then. That would surely be casting some serious doubts over the decision to go to Renault next year. But as it stands, the, the engine failed. So they, I guess they've made the right decision. They've gone from the worst engine to probably the second, second worst. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. progress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. How, I mean, Red Bull are doing well enough in it, aren't they? So. Or one of them is. Yeah, well, yeah. That's that's the thing. It's only ever one of them going well. They need, yeah. and if they're yeah. going to win constructors championships and drivers championships, you need both cars up there. For sure, you need both cars up there, especially constructors. You're never going to win a constructors championship with just one car. No. Well, does is that not proven by today's? Well, today's this weekend's results. Pretty much. Like Mercedes, Mercedes have officially won constructors now. Yeah. With that result. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's proven by two cars consistently finishing. Ferrari's Ferrari's kind of obsession with prioritizing Vettel and kind of forgetting about Kimi majority of the time and just letting Kimi drop back and focusing on what Vettel's doing yeah. has cost them obviously that side of it. Ultimately, I I genuinely think that they don't care that much about constructors, whereas Mercedes kind of revere winning the constructors and it feels like a big thing for them I genuinely think Ferrari do just care much more about the driver's title and to them yeah, it's yeah, not so worth too. as much probably helps that they get that huge payout <laughs> yeah. just for being Ferrari yeah. it means they don't you really the need the constructors that is Absolutely. probably the main reason for that however I do think that even if the payouts were slightly more in line they would probably just strike me as a team as it would be They'd shrug off a constructor's loss based on getting a driver's win. You know, that'd be the priority for them. Whereas I think Mercedes would still take home a lot of pride with a constructor's win, but a driver's loss. And I think that's where the two sort of 
team mentalities differ between those two. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so speaking of, uh, well, going back to Renault uh, for a second, uh, Science for Renault pulls an awesome move on Force India, the Force India of Perez around the outside of. Nah, yeah, that was, was a... that the outside of eighteen ninety. Can't remember 18? the corner names there. Well, numbers. The the big inverse turn eight, yeah. as I like to call yeah. it. The the mimicking turn eight uh, from Turkey. That I think that one's eighteen or nineteen. It's around that, definitely. I should really get a circuit map up, shouldn't I, to confirm this? Because if we're going to talk about thing corners, thing is, if we don't know the numbers, people who are listening probably aren't going to know them either. So that's true. That's <laughs> true. But we can we can maybe try and describe them though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's better. It's, it's uh, like the triple see, apex right hander, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Towards the one, it's the one where it is. he's three corners, but he's always yeah. taken as one. It's like three right-handers swooped around into one before you yeah. go into the it's, tight left and then the final left. Yeah. There you yeah. go. 16, 17, 18. What they're it the, is, is a very impressive corner to overtake around the outside of. Yeah, sure. which is what Science did. Yes. And it didn't, leave, it didn't even leave the track. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that um, so and we'll get to that sort of very very soon actually so the already really really good race came alive when Verstappen made his second pit stop for super soft tyres um, he started in 16th and he scythed his way through the field all the way up to 5th and he just about caught Raikkonen who himself had been catching Bottas and would overtake him at the end of the back straight to turn 12 on lap 42 pretty good duel the two of them had for a while actually wasn't it yeah yeah yeah. they were really really going and they should not hit each other again which is good because they were magnetic for a while weren't they yeah yeah Um, in pitting Verstappen at this point um, Red Bull managed to put the two fins in a position where if either of them pitted they'd have come out behind Verstappen so it was a really smart move from Red Bull actually wasn't it yeah yeah I didn't I absolutely did not see that coming at all either I thought why are they pitting him and then suddenly like because he was really on he was just about on the back of Raikkonen and then they pitted him and I just thought what are they doing like they're they're on him they can do him he's so much quicker but then when I realized that he was so much quicker he already had the undercut before he'd even gone into the pits he would have had the undercut like it was so easily yeah really smart so they, so he would have had the undercut and he they left it up to him to catch and overtake those two on much fresher tyres. Another thing that happened at that point was Ferrari decided to pit Vettel at that point yeah, to well, cover I mean, off Verstappen. Because Raikkonen and Bottas had been catching Vettel for a while, so second place was very much on for Verstappen at that point. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, Vettel only came at the pits just in front of him as well. It was yeah, like... Second place was between four people for the, uh, quite a chunk at the end, yeah. which is yeah, yeah. crazy. Which made it a great race. Yeah, as well. it's made it the advantage of course so unpredictable. Of course, the advantage Vettel had was that when he pitted, his teammate was at the front of that queue. So yeah, yeah. well, he just got let through in the ultimate. Yeah, <laughs> like literally yeah, just yeah. let through at turn one. Yeah, mm. which you'd expect in um, the scenario that they're yeah, in. Yeah, totally. But, yeah. yeah. Um, the person who didn't let him through was Bottas. On lap 31. Well, um, he didn't... <laughs> he left him more space than he needed to. True, but he did... Uh, he threaded the. He had to thread the needle through some lap traffic to get around him in turn one, didn't he? Yeah, Van Dorn just sort of like... Languishing on the outside, trying yeah. to get out of the way. Do you know, um, I think that... like 
it's it's really 50-50 and I think that it is an excellent move from Sebastian to to thread that gap. And I think that in Bottas's mind all the way through that move his he can all he can see is Van Dorn in his mirror and he knows yeah. where he is in relation to Van Dorn and he's like there's a car width there and he's not getting through that. And that yeah. Bottas has already sold to himself that Vettel will not get through that gap. So he's really like lackadaisical about the defence. And then the next yeah. thing he knows is Vettel is alongside him and steaming past him. And then it's it's already too late at that point. Um, so I think it's an excellent move from Vettel and I, you can't take yeah. that away from him. But I do think that, you know, Bottas maybe didn't, needed to have more faith in the fact that Vettel is capable of those kind of things like and you you know he's he's a four-time world champion and you know you should expect yeah. him he's to a, have he's a wily old fox yeah yeah like for yeah, sure just... like, I think well it's the old saying if there's a gap there and you don't take it you're not a racing driver and that there was a gap he took it he's a racing driver he's a proper racing driver isn't he yeah Vettel that is um yeah, so uh, where are we? So that's Vettel past Bottas. And then past Raikkonen. Then past Raikkonen easily. Then yeah. Verstappen catches Bottas at the end of the back straight and does him into turn 12. Um, he takes fourth place and sets about chasing down Raikkonen. Now, I'm going to just just quickly, I'm going to go all the way to the end of the race and then we'll get into Verstappen's end of his race. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. So... So on the final lap, Verstappen passes down the inside of Raikkonen, crucially shaving about 50 centimetres off of turn 18 or 17 um, and gaining third place. Meanwhile, Hamilton finishes in first, about 12 seconds up the road, followed by Vettel in second. Final top 10 was Hamilton... On track, the final top 10 was Hamilton, (laughs) Vettel, Verstappen, Raikkonen, Bottas, and then Ocon in sixth, Science in seventh, Perez in eighth, Massa in ninth, and Kvyat in tenth. And I forgot to count for a second there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, so Mercedes, they take the world championship fourth year running. Um, Hamilton needs to finish fifth or better to seal the deal in Mexico. Verstappen was handed a five-second penalty for crucially shaving about 50 centimetres off of that corner and getting past Raikkonen. So he was demoted to fourth. He was literally he had the po- he was about to walk out onto the podium and they came and grabbed him and said I mean as sure we all know this, you all watch Formula One the listeners, but they took him away and he was very magnanimous about it. He just He was actually he took it quite well. <laughs> he, he was until he was yeah. interviewed in the press pen. Where yeah. he literally yeah, he, he literally called off. Stewart this this is the thing that I think he did wrong. He <laughs> he he was very well behaved and he was very like you say, sort of grown up about it let's say until he was being interviewed in the press pits and he was making comments like these people who are stewards are idiots and um, I hope nobody comes to this race next year because why should they come if the results are not going to stand when people cross the line and I, you know, I hope it's That's empty next year well, and things like that well, are very silly to say I don't think yeah. it's the one time all season I've agreed wholeheartedly with Eddie Jordan who said those were silly things for him to say, and he shouldn't have said it. Yeah, but he's right. He said, uh, Ca- "Calm down, bruv. Yeah, <laughs> calm down." Um, 
I also think um, his dad needs to learn when to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, his dad was well, effing and jeffing all over mm, the place. Yeah, this is the thing. So uh, cue a Twitter storm from the Verstappen family and the wider F1 audience as well, let's not forget. Um, I think Twitter storm might be a bit of an understatement. Mark Webber even said the word shit live on television. <laughs> I only saw that today. <laughs> and it's, if, you, if you can find the clip, it's a well, really which, funny thing. Can is, I ask at which point he said it, by the way? Because I'd never noticed oh, it's it. Really, it's, it's quite a long way into it. It's like towards the end of. Yeah. Of... The really funny thing is, he starts to say it, then stops himself, then starts again, then stops himself, and then says it anyway. So, like, you clearly knew you weren't yeah. supposed to be saying it. Yeah. And then the reaction from everyone is well, just like, oh, well, no. Yeah, if you and listen, like, like, David like, Coulthard. Kill the cat. David Coulthard properly tells him off, but it's his. TV production company, so yeah. Well, it's and Webber's. It's his and Webber's. It is. It's his and Webber's. Oh yeah, of course, Webber's involved as well, isn't it? They own it. Yeah, they own it together. They own it together. Silly. Fifty-fifty, like I think. But yeah, they were. I don't think he was very impressed by him. Um. Okay, so what what do you, what do we all think of this uh, this scenario? Um, this whole thing. Let's start with you, Chris. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be controversial. Or based on the Twitter reaction, it probably is. But taking the incident. In isolation on its own, yeah, he cut the corner. He overtook someone by cutting a yeah. corner. That's a penalty. The problem is when you don't take it in isolation, it becomes part of this sea of massive inconsistency. There, somebody else overtook someone by cutting a corner during that race, and it was nothing happened. People were track extending left, right, and centre for the entire weekend. Yeah. The penultimate corner was basically make your own lineup for the entire weekend. Yeah. Um, so that's where the problem lies. I've got no problem with him losing that position. I think if you take a place by cutting a corner, then I think under all circumstances, they'd probably have told him to give the place back. Obviously, on the last lap of a race, you can't do that because you don't have time to. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, Tom, do you, what's your what's your thoughts? Um, similar, but maybe not quite the same. Like I, I agree with the fact that you know if you are going to take that much out of a corner, if if someone did that to me in a race, I would be peeved and I would want them to be giving me that place back, basically. However, hmm. it's where the consistency comes in because you cannot just have one rule for some and then a completely different rule for this one scenario yes it's a different corner but i just can't understand why we can't have the simple rule of if all four wheels cross the white line you will be penalized no matter where it is no matter what track it is unless you're like physically forced wide and there's you know there's there are situations where there's legitimate reasons for being off the track you know you're forced wide you've made a mistake you've you kind of outbreak yourself in those scenarios, but you've already lost time in those scenarios, so it's not so much of an issue. But I think, you know, if you cross white lines, you should be pulled back. Like, as daft as it sounds, if you are on a video game and you cross white lines, no matter where it is on the yeah. track, the video the, vi- the video game comes up and it says, warning, you've left the track, and you're, like, forced to slow down slightly, or it says, like, yeah. do that again and you'll get a penalty. And it's really strict. Why Why can't we in real life be as strict yeah. as the F1 well, game um, is? <laughs> don't British touring cars have a system like that? They, they do now. have things embedded in the curb, and if enough of a car crosses over yeah. that it flags it's, it, with with british touring cars but, now it is official that if all four wheels leave the white uh, cross the white line and you leave the track um 
and there's no sort of in inverted commas, valid reason for it, such as you are pushed and it's not your fault or something of that nature, you will be penalised for it. Um, and I think mm-hmm. I think they get three strikes, essentially, with that. So it's, look, you've done this, do it again, that's your second, do it again, right, that's it, you will receive a penalty. And it, it's as cut and dry mm-hmm. as that, which I think we need to get nearer to. Uh, I'm not saying that Verstappen's overtake is fine and dandy, because it's... Probably not, but I think that like people going round wide the outside of turn one and and going all the way off the curb to keep their foot in it to ultimately keep a position is just as bad as cutting a corner because you could gain an advantage by running wide and keeping your foot in off track and coming back but on the track. Bottas did that precisely. Bottas did that against uh, Ricardo. Yeah. He totally, and he, he didn't get penalised, and that was for fourth place at the time. Yeah. Then again, I think running wide on an exit and cutting the inside of a corner are different. Do you, you're extending the track, aren't you? They'd say they'd, they'd argue yeah. that you're making the track longer, but then you're gaining momentum from doing yeah. that. Yeah. If, if you take more road yeah, than the other car on the inside, then you've got more time on throttle. Precisely. Therefore, if you're going onto a longer, a, a, a full throttle section, then you're going to have Which more is speed. why the outside of the corner's line is where it is. <laughs> because mm. it wouldn't mm. be the same corner if you could run 10 foot further out wide. Yeah. And I think that the, the problem that we've got in this current era of Formula 1 it, that causes these issues is the fact that we don't have gravel traps anymore and we have huge long runoff areas yeah. and you can't you can't go back to just well as soon as the track stops it's gravel and grass because it's not safe unfortunately and yeah. that that is the reason we're in the situation we're in because it is much also, safer to have the runoff and i will never dispute that and i never i never one of those people that claims bring gravel right back up to the edge of the track because it's just not safe enough to do it and also you don't want to see a driver's race ended because of one mistake yeah it doesn't have to be well. There's that, but it doesn't have to be gravel though. It could they could just put a bollard up at the corner if they really need to. The bollards just they, you know, if they if they come off, they're usually quite flexible. They just bounce off the cars and disappear. Then somewhere. again, they've tried that in Monaco before, and within no time, someone will whack into it, and then as soon as the bollards are gone, everyone just cuts the corner yeah. again. Mm. It's um, it's tricky. It is my my own my own sort of feeling on it, and this is something that I've. I've not seen this really mentioned that much, but I've watched that replay quite a lot of times now. And I feel like maybe it looked like Raikkonen was about to give him the, the squeeze a little bit and he felt yeah. like he was moving in a little bit to avoid it. Now, my argument is that Verstappen was already more than half a car length alongside Raikkonen at that point. And that is when Raikkonen started to give him the squeeze. Um, Raikkonen must have known he was there because he's been doing this for a long time he's not an idiot I think he's seen him he, he knows he's put him into a position where he's had to cut the corner and he's thought I'll give him the place anyway because the stewards are going to be on my side and he would have been straight on the radio oh no actually he probably was on the radio to the team but as far as I'm aware the well, team didn't this, say anything to the stewards well this is what I was about to say to play devil's advocate to my own argument he didn't. In fact, I think I saw Raikkonen said afterwards he had no idea why Verstappen had been penalised. But is he not just being coy about that, though? I honestly think if the stewards hadn't done anything, nobody would be talking about this. I don't think Raikkonen or Ferrari would have brought that up. I don't think anybody would have done. It was... I, they, everyone genuinely seemed to see it as a racing incident. 
I think you need an eagle eye to even spot it. Well, this is the thing. Which is the steward's job, ultimately. Watching it live yeah. and watching it watching it at full speed from live coverage, for me, you can tell that he takes a very, very tight line across the corner. But it almost, like, at full speed on the way that it was shown originally, it kind of looks like, yes, he takes the curb, but it's one of those scenarios where while his front wheels are off track, his rear wheels aren't. And then while when his rear wheels go off track, his kind of front's already made it back on. You know, because of he's just taking it tight. But then you do look at yeah. it from a wider angle and you realise how much he has actually cut out of that corner and yeah, then it, it like hits 50 you. 50 centimetres. Um, and it, it is a long way when you actually see it back properly and you, you, know, you get the right freeze frames and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What... But it, what would you prefer? You, sorry, sorry, you're not finished. Well, you no, I was just going to say, like, there is a bit as well that comes into this where Raikkonen is obviously trying to turn in and, and kind of squeeze him to stop that move. Now, would Raikkonen? Uh, sorry, would um, would Verstappen still have made that move if you had one of the more, not necessarily the flexible like flat plastic things, but one of the more Circular, rigid style bollards that you get in. Oh, I know the ones. There used yeah, to be one yeah. at Malaysia. I don't yeah. know if it's still there, but there was a. They're like those curved bits of plastic yeah, rubbery and... stuff, weren't they? That'd stick up a little bit, and you could drive over them, and they wouldn't do any damage. But but they compromise you. Obstacle that you wouldn't want. Now, yeah, yeah. would he have done that? Were, were one of those there, and would he have got the place still? Because it would have compromised yeah. him. Well, here's what I think cause... we all agree on. I think we all agree that the the tracks should be designed in such a way. We can all agree that tracks should be designed in such a way that this kind of thing isn't isn't possible for this kind yeah. of thing to happen. Do we agree? I don't. With that? I don't think you'd ever be a hundred percent foolproof with that, but it shouldn't be so easy to to cause this much of an issue. The trouble is, though, tracks were designed with safety first, mm. and the two things don't always go hand in hand. Sadly. Yeah, true. I mean, you won't you, at those kinds of speeds through those corners. You don't really want to be driving into anything, but it's on the inside. And if it is on the inside of a corner, that's the least likely place you are going to drive into something because at that point you are, you're in control of that turn in point. It's only when you, it's only after you've turned in. It's only on the mid to mid corner to exit where you tend to lose the car. Yeah, so, I mean, on a corner like that, there's no reason why you couldn't have a bit of armco on the inside of that curb so there's not a car's width on the curb yeah but i don't know it's what would, so what would the other question i was going to ask was what what would you have preferred the result of? would you prefer that it stand or are you pleased that he was penalized not pleased but are you satisfied with the are you satisfied with the result yeah the i think it i think penalty? it was the right thing to do personally yeah i you know, it's the thing that annoys me most about it. I think is just purely the consistency of it that people were so wide all day, and yeah. that is why this is being highlighted. If other people had been told off throughout the race of you need to give that place back, or you know you could have a five second on your next stop, or whatever it might have been, then I don't think we'd be having this discussion because nobody would be outraged yeah. that Verstappen had been told. He'd got yeah. a five-second penalty, and it's because that yeah. the, it's almost like they tried to make an example out of him for that scenario, rather than deal with the bigger issue of penalising everybody that had done it. 
Um, and I think that's yeah. why there's been probably a lot of defence of Verstappen is because people that's why people think it's unfair. Not that not that well, he uh, should have been allowed to, to keep the position, but more the fact that it's unfair that it's only him that's been singled out for it. Well if you think back to Austria last year, I think it was, um and they said at the very start of the weekend, the penultimate turn, if you run wide there in qualifying, your lap will be deleted. And if you do it multiple times during the race, you will get penalised yeah. for it. And I honestly think we need maybe before the race, maybe after Friday practice when they've watched them going round, an FIA thing saying these corners, if you do this, this is what will happen to you. Because it's just yeah. so wishy washy still. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think will happen next weekend at uh, Mexico? Because that was an absolute black spot turn. Well, I, I remember Hamilton famously cutting that corner, yep. and gaining a huge advantage and not being penalised for it. Well, it was also Mexico last year where we had three third place drivers at the end. Yeah, and this yeah. this is where this is where fuel really gets added to the fire. There is a steward who was part of that exact same issue in Mexico, and. It would seem that a few people with inside F1 who aren't too happy about the decision have also called out the fact that this particular person, mentioning no names of the four stewards, no, we, sh- we shouldn't. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not going to. But there are particular people within F1 who have also said that this particular steward has also been part of other questionable decisions. Which I'll not go into the details of the decisions, but. It, they like there's a lot of people that appear to be trying to blame someone um which is like I say it is a lot of fuel to the fire and a lot of it's yeah, said in well, a red mist I think because it a lot of this is yeah. all sort of Sunday evening after it's all gone down yeah, adrenaline's pumping. um but yeah. yeah where any of that goes I have no idea no uh... It, it would yeah, it would make um, you wonder though. I'd like if for for me, without going into too much detail on it, I think that if multiple people are saying they have uh, an issue with some decisions being made by a particular steward over a consistent length of time and can give examples of it, I think that a steward should, in theory, be open to uh, like a review of some kind to say. To, to stand up for themselves and say, well, here's a justification of these decisions. Um, and, and you know, it's then decided by the FIA, well, unfortunately, we're going to decide you won't steward anymore or, no, we're with you, we, we stand by what the decisions that are being made. But that's why it's a panel of four as well, is to try and avoid that kind of yeah. thing happening. Well, well, this comes back to the arguments we've been around for a while is that the panel of stewards should be permanent positions. They shouldn't chop and change every race to give you more consistency in decisions like this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree I agree with that as well. Um, it's Obviously, this isn't one we're going to solve in the space of an hour on a podcast. <laughs> but um, Sadly, it's the main talking point in F1. It, at the is, moment, it is the main talking point in F1. Which is a shame because uh, it was a... It's a race where we should be talking about other stuff, but F1 yeah. has a habit of doing that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does have a habit of uh, smacking itself in the face. Uh, uh, is there anything we haven't mentioned that you guys have got? You From go the race? I don't think so. Um, um, we're an hour in, so <laughs> it might be time to... thought uh, it might be a, a big one this week. Yeah. Uh, shall we do some really quick... Post-race stats. Yeah, I like some of these. Yeah, some good stats. Lighten the mood. Cheer everyone up. 
Yeah, light in the mood. Okay, so uh, Sebastian Vettel. Vettel. <laughs> no, maybe not for Vettel, but um, it's his first podium since the Italian GP. I couldn't believe That's that, insane. but... Sad, sad face. That's why Hamilton <laughs> is world champion, or about to be. Or about to be, yeah. Um, Mercedes, obviously, they've won the Constructors' World Championship with their 75th win and their 150th podium. It's a nice... And, um, Chris, I think the next one's that... yours, my friend. Yes, yeah, so we talked about this... Uh, for a few times this season actually but Ocon has now taken the record for consecutive finishes at the start of a career which is the record Max Chilton held um, 26 races now Ocon since his debut has finished unfortunately the is... only significant thing Max Chilton managed in Formula 1 yes the only thing he had left <laughs> yeah, the only uh, trace of him that remained in Formula 1 is now gone yeah um, that's Esteban Mad Skills Ocon. <laughs> or, or Esteban Oconsistency, as I saw him oh, call on Twitter. Oh, that is good. Oh, yes. Got a lot of time for that. Um, do we have a driver of the day? Well, as usual, the official one was Verstappen, because it always is. Um, <laughs> which, to be fair, is a pretty good shout to come from 16th to briefly third. is <laughs> very impressive. Um I think Ocon, as we just mentioned as well, is a good shout. He was once again yeah. best of the rest. He's rock um, solid, isn't he? Yeah, he's he, going to be. A, he's a champ one day in waiting. He is. Yeah, you would think so, especially with Mercedes backing. Um, he did really well to hold off signs for quite a chunk at the end of the race. Signs all over him, and uh, signs as well worth mentioning in his first race for Renault to finish yeah, yeah. seventh. Just a, a future just, thought just, for you just, here. Ocon mm-hmm. Mercedes oh, back Yeah, this is what you were going to say. I'm glad I got him first because now I sound like it's my thing. But obviously, we're both thinking the same thing here. You've got yeah. you've got Ocon with Mercedes back in, Sainz with Renault back in, Verstappen potentially to Ferrari at some point in the very near future. He's got three three more years at, uh, at Red Bull, hasn't he? Yeah, but. If that Honda engine comes good, I'm thinking more like long, long term because they're all still young between oh, okay. the three of them. Yeah, like, yeah that's true. Yeah, you yeah. could potentially, or even even if the Honda engine comes good and they stick it in the Red Bull, whatever the situation ends up being. But over the next like three or four years, we could be seeing like a three way title fight between those three. Fingers crossed. Do you want a long, long term prediction? Go. A long, 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 long term prediction. So we know Hamilton and Bottas are at. Uh, Mercedes next year. Mm. In fact, Mercedes is there for a few more years. Uh, Hamilton's there for a few more years, isn't he? Now I think. Can't put his contract says. Did he? Is he oh, no, his, his drive, no, his drive. No, his drives up the end of this year. Next yeah, year. Yeah, twenty nineteen is the big year, isn't it? Anyway, so yeah, my my long launcher prediction is twenty nineteen is going to be Hamilton and Ricardo at Mercedes, and then oh. when Hamilton retires a year or two after that, Ocon will move to Mercedes. Mm. So write that down somewhere and don't lose that prediction oh. for the next several years. Yeah, I'll bury it in a time machine <laughs> and dig it up. And... I'll post it to myself. <laughs> yeah, we'll bury it in the t- just outside the town just hall. Just put like doing it um, open until 2022. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, driver of the day we were choosing. Um, I my vote. I think Ocon's got my vote. Um, I was personally. I was impressed with the Verstappen drive, but it part of you expects it. I think Sainz in his new team first drive to do as well as he did all weekend. Um, I'm going to go with Sainz. I think I want to say Sainz as well. It's a really tight thing between all three of those, mm. though, for me. 
Okay, so science, science gets the back of the grid seal of approval then. Um, move of the day. Um, so Ricardo and Bottas, although it wasn't, neither were only at, actually overtakes. They were still like having their side-by-side moments two or three times through like turn one, two, and three. Uh, I think the Verstappen move into turn 17. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. That's a joke. That's a joke. Um, I don't know. I do like signs around the outside of Perez, though, in that same yeah, section. Yeah, I think that's the one for me. I, I think an honourable mm. mention of some description for Vettel's threading the needle round Bottas. Yeah, Even though Bottas wasn't particularly yeah. fighting him, I just think you know Vettel's foresight and actually finding the gap was yeah. worth a little mention. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go the other road from you guys. I'm gonna do the Ricardo and Bottas side by side, and Bottas keeping hold of the first time. Bottas keeping hold of it so early in yeah. the race that was uh, my jaw dropped to the floor when yeah. I saw that. It was epic. And there's one per you know if there's one person you're gonna do that with, it's Ricardo. He, he will cling yeah. on and cling on. And it's a shame Bottas kept it. If Ricardo would, ah, oh, you know what. <laughs> No, wouldn't have made a difference because Ricardo would have blown up a lap or two later. Yeah, yeah. You know, what? I'm going to say science pe- passing Perez. I would, <laughs> you, if, if you've Ric- talked yourself if, out. I've of changed your my mind. I've talked myself out of it. Do if, you know the really Ricardo? You'd persuaded what? me. I was yeah. going to say persuaded you, and I was say Ricardo. You know the thing is, when I sent you to a message saying this is an awesome race, that is the bit I was watching the Ricardo Bottas yeah, thing, yeah. and I was like, yeah. this is going to be an awesome well, race. Okay, let's give it to Ricardo and Bottas for their for their synchronized turns one, yeah, two, yeah, three, yeah, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, what the heck moment? WTF moment of the race? Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Um, I mean, there's a few. Some people would argue the driver intros. Okay. I I kind yeah. of enjoyed them. Um. <laughs> The only real on track thing was the was Ericsson and Magnussen towards the end having a very clumsy shunt. Yeah, that was annoying. Who's written CG Eagle? On so did document? you guys notice this? Obviously no. not. Towards, <laughs> towards the end of the race, there was a shot. It's like a sort of not a proper aerial helicopter shot, but a shot from a high up camera of turn one. Um, it might even have been Ericsson and Magnussen going through actually through turn one. And a giant shadow of an eagle flew across the track at turn one. That wasn't that just the giant eagle that fl- that lives near the track. <laughs> well, the thing is, this shadow was so big. If it was a real eagle, it would have been about twice the width of a Formula One car. And I'm not talking wingspan. I'm talking its body. So lots of people were online were like, "Did anyone else just <laughs> see that? Am I going insane?" It looks like they did actually CG an eagle shadow. Ah, oh, because you know they, yeah. you know, a lot of the advertisements you see are actually like, yeah, uh, they're not really the there. And they're kind of watches and things. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, they were doing the same thing and had, um. A, a, an eagle shadow fly across to it is America though, isn't well, it? I think that one's got that's that's got my vote. But <laughs> a CG eagle shadow flying across the track is definitely uh, yeah. I'd, uh, they've got my click. I'll try and f- oh, here we go. Hang on, I'll I'll find a link to it right now and send it to you. Yeah, I want to see this. Yeah, we need. We, I'm we amazed need you didn't notice it during the race. To be honest, yeah, talk amongst yourself. <laughs> here we go. I'll, I'll send you the link now. Have a watch of that. Okay. I need to make sure I command click this so it opens in a new tab and I don't end the recording. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> what? It's going round the corner as well. It like, touches the <laughs> Yeah, it just keeps the apex. What is that? And they just like, that's ridiculous. Okay, that, that can that's have so it. That's stupid. That can have it. What? <laughs> That's just... Are you sure that's not fake? Are you sure that's not someone having a laugh? No, it is. It's fake. It's a fake. It's like FOM did it. No, I mean, FOM did Are you sure? Yeah, are that you, was... that was on YouTube just Nope, that was on the live TV broadcast because I remember seeing it live. Oh, my goodness. That's a shame, isn't it? It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a that's an unexpected... Uh... Unexpected winner of WTF. Is anyone? Is everyone that else on eagle, board? That eagle must be nearly as big as the sun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not like they made it look realistic because it's colossal. Oh, that was. <laughs> it looks like Daenerys flying overhead <laughs> on the on a dragon or something. Bizarre. That's, that's absurd. Yeah, that can have it. So, so dumb. Um. I heard they did a uh, a shadow of a British bulldog walking <laughs> across the line towards yeah, the end of the British Grand Prix as well. Yeah, I did see someone photoshopped uh, a preview of Mexico and it was just a sombrero shadow <laughs> going across the track. Yeah, <laughs> I'm desperately now in my mind scratching round for hilarious shadows that could go across <laughs> tracks at various races. Um, but I'm drawing a blank. Do send us your favourite examples of shadows. <laughs> Yeah, tell us what so shadows slow. you want to that see is, over. That is officially the weirdest yeah. question we have ever asked our listeners. Please send us your favourite ideas for shadows. <laughs> well, I think it's weird. Anyway, uh, you know what else we need to do this week? We need to... The Mexican Grand Prix is like this weekend. We need to make some predictions, dude. We need to cover... Pre- is it this we weekend? We need to cover predictions from last weekend first. And we need to do that as well. Uh, I'd, ra- I'd rather not, to be honest. I my talk about... A- clean sweep but um shall we do that and then uh, if we've got time we'll make our predictions if now if not we'll do a little special one uh at some point um Um, yes we'll scrub well all the news that we had we kind of already mentioned we'll mention briefly that alonso it looks like he's going to do the daytona 24 hour uh which is kind of the second most prestigious 24 hour race after le mans um in one of in zach brown's team actually alongside lando norris um, I yeah. believe we, that happens in mid-January, so that's not far off. Yes, it is. And we might as well mention Kvyat's been dropped again for Indeed. Mexico, replaced by Brendan Which Hartley I could rant and... about Red Bull's treatment of drivers for another hour, yeah. so let's not but, go into I mean, that. That does bode well for uh, one particular driver, though, doesn't it, Tom? Oh, you mean my prediction for the win? Well, yeah, yeah. Verstappen always wins after Kvyat gets dropped or like whatever. It's very true. I'm not actually going to go with him. Um, so that, that's one it's prediction. Interesting stat. Anyway, shall we? Do, does does someone want to go over these predictions? Go on, I'll take over at this point. So, unsurprisingly, all but one person said Hamilton for fastest qualifier. Uh, that one person was a newcomer, actually, I believe. Uh, Scars of Karma on Twitter. So, thank you for getting involved. Unfortunately, um, you said Vettel. Everyone else said Hamilton. Um, for qualifier win again mostly Hamilton me Tom that's life anyway but here Craig Mitchell and Paul Kelso all got that right everybody else was either Vettel or Verstappen which are obviously good shouts uh, no one got the first DNF which was Hulkenberg uh, closest was Dat's life who said Verline who I believe was second or third second retirement, retirement. he was there's a really just to I know it's disrupting it and adding extra length to the show however there's a really awesome moment with him in the press pit where 
Um, he had a coming together with Magnussen quite early on, didn't he? And then obviously Magnussen mm. had a coming together with Ericsson later. The interviewers asked him about this, uh, and Verline was sort of saying, um, yeah, well, it's inevitable sometimes that you're going to come together with him. Then there's a big crash in the background, like literally something falling over. Verline suddenly <laughs> looked around, and the guy went, don't worry, it's not <laughs> it's not Magnussen. And Verline <laughs> just went, you never know, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it was a great moment. Continue. I like that. Uh, number of finishers was 16. We had four retirements. Uh, lots of people got that right. Uh, Stu, you got it right. Newcomer, right. Scars of Karma got it right. Anyone but here, Eric Richardson, Paul Kelsall, and Anders all got that spot on. Um, random driver Vettel. Um, we were hoping this would be the week to get a clean sweep. Unfortunately, it didn't quite happen, but he did come in second. So, me, Tom, and That's Life all got that right. Everyone else had first or third. Um, so yeah unfortunately no clean sweep the best score was Dad's Life who got three and a half mm. points which is a respectable Basically, score we, we all got Very the easy score. in inverted commas bit the hard bit has got to always be first DNF that's got to be the hardest one yeah it's the most, certainly the most unpredictable um, shall we quick right we need to quickly go down these scores I'll quickly do a leaderboard yeah uh, so bump to top uh, Fim de Grid our uh, Brazilian counterparts uh, at the bottom on zero Joel versus Gaming on half a point Scars of Karma the newcomer on one Anders is on three uh, Eric Richardson jumps ahead of Henry Lindoff uh, on four and three points respectively uh, Simon admit one is on four and a half points uh, as is uh, Gina Faster than you, 14 on Twitter is on six points. Tom Fame over here is on 12. EK remains on 14. Uh, Paul Kelsall draws level with Craig Mitchell. They're both on 18 and a half. That's life, best of the listeners on 23. Stu, you've dropped a third on 25 points. I've jumped one ahead on 26. And Tom, you're still in the lead on 29. Boom. Oh, dear. Uh... And a quick look at the uh, long-term predictions while we're here. Uh, Tom, we already know yours. Ew. Well, you said Gasly would drive in USA, not Super Formula. In the end, he drove in neither because the Super Formula race yeah, got yeah. cancelled. But there we go. <laughs> uh, and my prediction came true. Danny Kvyat did indeed score points on his return. He came 10th and got a whole point. Yeah. My prediction of uh, title will finish 10 points or closer is looking Looking ever, unlikely. Ever more <laughs> less likely, yeah, yeah. And... Um, let's not forget Eric Richardson's claim that hasn't yet come true but hopefully will Vettel will hit a barrier and say it turned into him <laughs> um, right let's do these let's do predictions for Mexico let's really go. quick okay Chris fastest qualifier uh, it's got to be Hamilton hasn't it it was Hamilton last year <laughs> I, I Hamilton love it you would already started typing Hamilton in the box before he said anything <laughs> yeah yeah I know uh, Tom you, you yeah. was Hamilton Tom ha- Hamilton Ooh. Um, I'm going to say Hamilton as well. Uh, who's going to win this one, Tom? Um, it should be a track where the Ferraris can at least try and take a fight to the Merc, so I'm going to say Vettel will put up a fight. Vettel's going to fight. Uh, I am going to go with Hamilton for this one as well, because every time I predict that Hamilton won't win, <laughs> wins. Uh, Chris, uh, I'm gonna go Vettel as well. This should treat Ferrari well. This track. Ah, oh, please don't win. <laughs> uh, first DNF. Uh, last year that was Verline. Verline. Mm. So Verline last year. Uh, Turn one collision, I believe. First, I am going to say. 
Uh, I'm going to go Stroll. Actually, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, because he's he's been quite clean. He's just been slow. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Magnussen. Oh. Magnussen's been really ropey these last few weeks. That was that was my route. Uh, I was going that way. <laughs> uh, Chris? I'm going to go for a Van Dorn, I think. Van Dorn Do and go... Tom. Mm, I'm trying to decide if I go mechanical or... Oh, it's so difficult. Ericsson. Ericsson, okay. And then, uh, Chris, how many people were finished? There was only one retirement last year. Yeah. One retirement. So, so I'm going to go... I'm going to go for 18, I think. 18. Uh, Tom? Um, How many was the year before that? That was the second year of it, wasn't it? I'm not sure about the year before. I don't have that stat to hand. Mm. That would have been 2015 then. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to push you. <laughs> there was a race, and there were four retirements. Okay, that two then. Two retirements. Two so retirements. Eighteen finishes. So 18 oh, the same as well. Chris. Oh my god. <laughs> are you sure you're, you're keeping? Yeah, that? I'm keep, no, keeping I've it? said it now. I've said it. Keeping it. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say. 16 again that's been, that's, I really that's, thought you were just going to do 18 then just for the last no that, that's been our average all season <laughs> uh, then Tom we need a random driver Chris can you can you, I uh, can only 6 to choose from now uh, and we have got uh, Massa oh god, oh god it's tricky Massa it's a really tricky one. Oh, one um oh damn so where will Massa finish Tom mm. Last ninth. year he finished. <laughs> Last year he finished ninth. There you go then. <laughs> ninth. Boom. Okay, ninth. Uh, it's my turn. I'm gonna say it's just finished eleventh in this car. The Williams just doesn't seem to have the goods at the minute. It's ropey uh, at the I'm moment. Gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with eleventh again. Oh, I'm gonna go twelfth. Twelfth. Okay, that's the predictions. Um, so don't forget to send us your predictions you can find us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1 Fe- uh, you can find us on Facebook if you search for Back of the Grid and we're on Instagram at Back of the Grid or, or of course you can visit our website backofthegrid.com um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Stu underscore PX you can find Tom at TomKing89 and you can find Chris at TNM Chris. please do join us next week when we talk about all the I've no doubt madness of the Mexican Grand Prix and, and all things probably as expected crowning a world champion as well. Yeah, we could we could let's not jinx it, but we could be crowning a world championship. I'll be very Does surprised part of you if you not, not want that to happen. Very much so. Oh yeah, yeah. Every inch of me wants that to it wants I want it to go to the end of the I think a Hamilton retirement so. would be a nice little uh yeah, of excitement yeah. for the last few races. Yeah, it would do. I, I we think need it, it would. We need it now. Um, yeah, so join us next week, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll speak to you in your lovely ears then. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I just said lovely English. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, God. 